You're listening to the Detroit Worldwide Podcast, where we highlight the stories of Native Detroiters that are doing great things in their community and using their impact across the globe. I'm Marquise Taylor. Welcome to the Deep. What up, though? Welcome to another installment of the Detroit Worldwide Podcast. I am Marquise Taylor. And on this week's edition of the podcast, we had the opportunity to sit down with someone that I consider to be a rising star in the world of broadcast journalism. Joining us on Detroit Worldwide this week was Montez Allen. And Montez is currently holding it down as a sports anchor in Macon, Georgia with NBC 41. Dude's passion, energy, and enthusiasm is simply contagious. I truly believe that Montez is going to be one of those names that you are going to recognize in the years to come. This conversation is one which you feel like you're in the presence of greatness. Montez is a graduate of Oakland University. He is also a graduate of DePaul University. And most importantly, dude is coming straight out of the D. All of that being said, you have heard enough from me. So why don't we dive into the discussion that I had with the one and only Montez Allen. All right, this is Detroit Worldwide. And joining us today is a sports anchor coming out of Macon, Georgia, representing Detroit. Who we have on the podcast today is Montez Allen. And in this episode, he is going to talk about a variety of things, including his lived experience growing up in Detroit, as well as his transition into broadcast journalism. So, Montez, thank you for joining us on the podcast, my G. What up, though? What up, though, man? Thank you for having me. I really appreciate it, man. And I like what you're doing. Keep doing it. Don't stop. Man, well, you know how it is in the D, man. We got to make sure we represent right there. Even those 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 positive black stories, that black excellence that's been instilled in us. So you are joining a long lineage of dope people that have been on the podcast. So I appreciate you. So Matez is going to be talking about everything. Again, he is in Macon, Georgia with the NBC affiliate. NBC 41, I believe, is the name of that station. And he'll be talking about that as well as... Just stuff related to the D. So diving into our first question, if you can begin by telling our listening audience more about you and some of the work that you currently do. Just born and raised on the west side of Detroit, right there on Pinehurst first. I was on Pinehurst right off Seven Mile, Seven Mile Pinehurst. And then as a little kid, I remember moving to Littlefield and stayed there and went to Mumford, went to Bobian, went to Shokes. Mm. Bovian's not even there no more, man. Yeah. And I used to hoop for Chokes, Bovian, Mumford, and then I transferred to a school on the east side. It was called Winus Academy. Mm -hmm. So I played basketball for them. 
And uh, just, a, you know, a regular Detroit kid, always loved hooping, end up going to Oakland University to get a bachelor's degree in journalism. After that, I moved to Chicago in about 2012 to pursue a master's in, in journalism. Never thought I was going to be doing what I was doing, man. Never thought it. God, God is real. <laughs> like, mm. this is a stepping stone, what I'm doing now, but I never would have thought I would be on TV doing sports. You know what I mean? I thought I was going to go to the NBA like a lot of kids that hoop in the hood, especially in a place like Detroit where basketball is strong and heavy. It's a lot of competition. So I'm just trying to be a young black man that's trying to change his trajectory of his family life and uh, start a new path and, and leave a trail and have the people and generations after me walk in my blessings. Man, I, I love it, bro. I mean, so much good things you got going on there, but the key thing I want to get back to is, you know, you as a black man trying to change the trajectory of your family and just the places you've been. We'll have some time to discuss all of those things. We'll have some time to unpack all of that. Now, I know you said you went to Munford. You said you hooped for a little bit. But what was your experience like growing up in the D? It was fine to me, man. You know, I had, I got a great family. I have a great mother. I was blessed to have older influences in my life, right? So like, I think that they were giving me wisdom as I was younger, but I didn't realize until you get older. So, you know, I got an older brother. My mother's older. My stepfather's older. And then my brother's friends are older. So, you know, I think, and they all hooped. So I think we, we all had a close-knit family. Even on the block, we were all like family. And if they see a kid that's trying to do good, you know, and just playing sports and staying out of the streets, even the, the, the OGs in the streets will bless you with that. Like, hey, no, you don't need to do that. You know, we doing this. You You keep hooping. You keep getting good grades. Like, it was like that. It was really family-oriented. You know, a lot of people, a lot of media, especially when I was living in Chicago, man, they got this picture of the D. Like, it's one house on the block. You step out your house, you getting popped. It ain't like that. You know, not where I live. And I, I'm not nowhere near rich or, you know, nowhere close. It's just, you know, a nice family in the D, supportive family. You know, me, my sister, my brother, we all play sports. And, you know... I think my experience in Detroit was great, man. I wouldn't change it for the world, and it's nothing like Detroit. Man, you already know, bro. Shout out to the OGs that was looking out for you as well as your family because many people don't know, and the spirit of Detroit is real. Like, I can remember, you know, being in the D and some of the same OGs looking out for me, and it wasn't necessarily I was doing anything bad, but it's just like, you know, Keep your head in them books, man. Mm -hmm. Do your thing. Make sure that you're taking care of your family. And, you know, Detroit is so family-oriented. It doesn't always have to mean blood. Right. Now, I know you mentioned that you come from a family of hoopers, and you yourself hoop, man. What position did you play? Point guard all day. And, you know, my I got an older brother. He taught me how to hoop. And I got a little sister who's two years younger than me. She hooped. She played for Jackson State for a little bit. And hooping is my life, man. Like, I never played in college, but that was my decision. That's probably my only regret in life, not playing in college. But just because you don't play in college don't mean you couldn't play in college. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. But basketball is my life, man. Love it to this day. One of my dreams is to work for NBA TV on air. You know, sports is cool, but honestly, I just care about basketball. <laughs> so, I mean, I, I, I want to be in that area. I plan to have my own business dealing with basketball one day. So 
I played point guard my entire life. I was always the smallest person to start out. You know, at Bobian, I was the only seventh grader on the team at 4'11". I was 4'11 mm-hmm. in seventh grade. You know, eighth grade, ninth grade, probably was about 5'5". Five, five. When I went to Mumford, 10th grade, I was probably about 5'6". But still played and was always good. And I can still drop buckets, too. <laughs> but, you know, I, I love the game of basketball. Man, I love basketball, too, man. And people don't realize, and we was talking offline, like Detroit, Michigan in general, man, it's like a lineage of great basketball players and DPS and mm-hmm. professional. I mean, I think about cats like Magic Johnson coming out of Lansing and Jalen Rose and Chris mm-hmm. Weber and one of our previous guests, Rashad Phillips, who was on the podcast as well. Like, it's so many dope people coming out. Now, going off of that question, bro, could you maybe tell us about your earliest or favorite Detroit sports memory? Oh, man. So growing up, I don't remember going to a lot of professional events. Like, I've never been to a Lions game. I've never been to a Red Wings game. I've been to a Tigers game and Pistons game. But I feel like my best memories, I was a little older in my teens and just going to Kobo. Just anything dealing with hooping when I was playing, like going to Kobo, watching the state playoffs, seeing the best competition. We used to go to U of D, mm-hmm. and we used to go to, what was it, Callahan Hall? Yep, Callahan Hall. We used to watch the tournaments there. I know I used to go and watch the tournaments there. Just watching that, that was amazing to me at the time. And I still do it to this day, you know. I still go to the state playoffs and just watch basketball. But in terms of answering that question, what I can remember is just going to Kobo, sitting high up, and watching Renaissance and, and Murray Wright. Those are pretty much my my earliest memories, man. As I got older, you know, I guess you can say I saw Kobe Bryant play. I saw Kobe Bryant play in Detroit. I think he had a, a buzzer beater to send it into overtime. So at least I got to see Kobe in Detroit. You know what? Shout out to Kobe. I'm just going to say... Kobe Bryant hit that buzzer beater to send a game into overtime. I can't remember if the Lakers won, but I got to see Kobe Bryant play basketball and before he at least one time that I can remember. So I'm going to say that. I'm just going to go ahead and give props to the homie Kobe Bryant. Oh, yeah, yeah. Shout out to the Black Mamba. And we were talking offline how it's just still surreal that he's no longer here. I mean, he's here in spirit, but, I mean, if you – grew up watching basketball the name Kobe Bryant is synonymous with greatness yes so I am curious to know what you loving sports and loving basketball how did growing up in Detroit influence you to pursue your education after high school I'll always give credit to God mm-hmm. God placed that in, inside me at a, a young age as long as I can remember I always wanted to get a master's degree and back in that day I didn't even know why Later, I found out nobody in my immediate family has a degree. Like my, you know what I mean? So I just all, even in elementary school, I was like, I want to get a master's degree. I want to, I always knew it. It was weird. So I say that was God, man. I don't know what a master's degree is in elementary school. I just knew I wanted to do it. I knew that I wanted to get one and nobody has one. So I was like, okay, forget one degree. I want to get two to continue to break the chain and start a new trend. Now, for people out there, I'm not saying you have to get a degree in college because college is not for everybody. What I'm saying, that was just my dream and my goal. Now, in terms of broadcast journalism, man, when I went to college, 
Oakland University. Shout out to Oakland University in Rochester, Michigan. Man, look, coming out of high school, A, I thought I was going to hoop. B, I was like, you know what? I want to go into mechanical engineering because I just want to make a whole bunch of money and design cars. You know, I like cars. I'm like, I love cars. So I'm like, I just want to make a whole bunch of money design cars. Now, you got to be good at math to be an engineer. You know, you got to be pretty good at math. I was all right, but I wasn't that good. So I remember in college, my like I said, my initial major was mechanical engineering. Long story short, I, you know, I'm the type of person I dedicate myself. I'm studying my butt off. I'm going to study session. I'm trying. I'm going to do this. But in these math classes, I'm on question number one and they on question number four. And I'm mm. really trying. My first test, I got an eight out of 108. I got credit for my name. That was it. And I was going to tutoring every day. The professor came up to me and was like, you are not going to pass this course. I said, you are right. So I, <laughs> you are correct on that one. So I went to my advisor like, look, I need to change my major. So I'm like, Tez, what, what can you do? Okay, you hoop, you still hoop, you know sports, you like sports. But oh, I'm just going to be a sports writer. Forget it. I'm just going to write about sports, write about basketball. Long story short, changed my major. My professor came up to me. I can't remember his name. Uh, I know his name, but I can't remember. He came up to me like, you should try journalism. Hey, here's an internship with MLive, MLive.com. So I started off covering high school basketball, Southfield, you know, all those teams. And uh, that turned into covering high school football. I'm like, okay, this is cool. You know, writing about it, this is cool. Uh, you know, I get to see the local talent and, you know, it kind of makes you feel old, but, you know, I'm like, this is cool. I didn't get into broadcast until one day, I feel like God speaks through people to you. He can speak through people to you. One of this, I was taking a sports broadcasting class at Oakland, I think it was over the summer, with Mark Champion, mm. who was the voice of the uh, pitchers. Mm-hmm. He, I had a friend in there named Brian. He came up to me like, you ever thought about doing your own radio show? You got a nice voice. I'm like, no. Hey, go try out. Did a tryout. Next thing you know, I get a call back. Shout out to Marty Schaefer at Oak University. Got a call like, hey, we like you. You got your own radio show. So that's, I started on radio. I'm like, oh, okay. And I'm a talker, so I'm just going nuts. You know, I get rap music playing in the background. I'm just talk about sports and different things. I didn't get into TV until my last year at OU. Somebody came up to me like, you should get into TV. We doing like a, a a debate show. Cool. Started doing that. Oh, this is fun. Now, I didn't get into reporting and broadcasting until I got to DePaul in Chicago. I just figured like I could just continue doing this. And that's when it became real. Like, oh, wait, I'm really, oh, a sportscaster? What's that? I don't know what this is. Oh, this is kind of cool. And I've been in there ever since. And, you know, I was grinding in Chicago for a while. And I got my big, I get my big break, but I got my break in May of 2019. Then I moved to Macon, Georgia. <laughs> mm-hmm. Man, I mean, all the stops that you made and, you know, you going to Oakland initially to become a mechanical engineer and just learning more about yourself and then just the the places that God put you, man. I mean, it's it's such a remarkable feeling to hear you kind of disclose that. You mentioned something earlier about you being a first-generation college student. So when you arrive to Oakland's campus, what did community and support look like for you initially as a first-generation college student? I always got support from my hood. 
period. I mean, it's, sometimes in our community, you get roasted. You know, where are you from? You re-roast. And people sometimes can take roasting the wrong way. But you catch jokes. Oh, you about to go to college. You old Bill, not a science guy. You know what I mean? <laughs> you know, just <laughs> just roasting. But for the most part, man, the community, the hood, they were, they were all behind me. I have mm-hmm. no complaints about where I came from in Detroit, Michigan, the people I was surrounded by. They say it takes a what a village to, to raise a child. Mm-hmm. And my parents did a good job. My stepdad did a, did a good job. My mom's, my grandma. But, you know, the hood did too. And I really appreciate that because they always, no matter what, I feel like gave me a push. And, and where there's, most of the time it was on a basketball court. That's where I learned a lot of my lessons. Shout out to Tracy Park. So, you know, I think I have no complaints about the support I've gotten from the community. I mean, my family is just, God is good, man. Like, I think I've been surrounded by bad influences and good influences, but I've always been headstrong enough to, if I'm hanging out with the bad influences, I don't let it, I don't let it throw me off course too much. You know, I'm able to balance it out. So I think, you know, the support I've gotten from the hood, man, it's been God's thing. Man, and that, that's dope, man. And shout out to your your peoples, um, whether it be people from the hood or people from your immediate family that kind of gave you that support because it's it's critical, especially as a first-generation college student. And I can speak to that from experience as well. Like, it's a holistic way of supporting you. You, you need that support that extends beyond the classroom. So I'm glad that you were able to get that. So I'm curious to know, with everything that you accomplished to that point, what does success look like for you if you can think back? That's crazy because I'd be asking coaches that. Playing in the NBA? Playing, playing in, in the, the NBA? NBA <laughs> playing in the NBA. That was success to me, man. I never thought I was going to be doing this stuff. That's why you never know God, where God is going to take you. But, you know, besides that, I guess it would have been just, you know, accomplishing what I was set out to accomplish in terms of getting my degrees. And not that degrees make you smart or anything. It's just, I was just a, a personal goal. And I felt like I needed it. I needed them. As I came out of undergrad, I wasn't ready for the workforce, for what I was going to do. I wasn't ready. And I think I needed the masters to sharpen it. And that's why I think God put that dream in me because it helped me to what I'm doing now. So I feel like that's what success looks like, minus the NBA. You know, millions and millions of dollars, even though that's coming later. But <laughs> that's what success looks like to me. Now, if you're talking about moving forward, I have a vision board. I have a vision board. Everything I write down, I write it down, man. And if I told you everything that's on my vision board, you'll go crazy. You'll think I'm crazy. Oh, uh, bro. I love vision boards. We have to talk about that offline, about some of the things that you have on there and what that looks like. Now, you mentioned your current role over in the NBC affiliate, NBC 41, a role that you've held since 2019, and you're a sports anchor. And let me preface this question by saying, like, I had the opportunity to look at your clips, bro. I love your energy. You're very enthusiastic about the work that you do, man. And I love sports. I have very high standards when it comes to, like, people that captivate and hold my attention. So, with you being in this current role, what do you feel like the most important thing that you've been able to learn about yourself? You had to identify one thing. Mm, that's a good question. 41 NBC, what have I learned? To be confident in your abilities. It was a time where I wasn't always confident. 
and my abilities. It took a lot over years for me to be more confident. And I've learned that confidence gets you a long way. Muhammad Ali, I look up to him a lot. He said, I, I, I'm great. I knew that before I knew I was. So I think it definitely taught me more confidence in myself because going in front of that camera, you know, you had to do your thing. And, you know, confidence in myself and being myself, being myself, having your own flavor, your own style, uh, being unique, not scared to, to say things and experiment with things, see if it'll work or not. Being true to yourself, I think is very important. And that's what makes Stuart Scott so great. Mm-hmm. R.I.P. to Stuart Scott, I met him one time. So I think I've learned all those things of being, of believing in myself, staying confident in myself, being unique, sticking to who I am. Because the business is, is mostly white, you know, it's mostly white. And I'm a young black man from the hood with some style. I like to dress nice. And sometimes, you know, when you bring something different to the table, people might have a hard time adjusting to it. So, you know, I, I've learned those things for sure and I learned those things for sure and I think it's it's, it's helping me bro and I was going to even compliment on your style bro like your suit game for lack of a better word is impeccable <laughs> you you sharp with it bro sharper's attack you. you already know how we get down in the D man I <laughs> yeah I know I know that was one of the questions because I'm like once you get you know when you I think it was like when, when you think of Detroit what do you think or something like that I'm like oh I can't wait because style is one of them people don't know they don't understand bro they don't understand Man, man. So I might have to put a link to his broadcast in the show notes so people can kind of see, like, my man's is coming with it, representing Detroit on camera, off camera, especially when it comes to the style. Like, man, you probably got some gators on your feet when you... Oh, man. <laughs> you know what, bro? I'm going to be... I'm a real dude. I'm a real dude. Uh, I've never had a pair of Maury's or some Ye's yet. Uh-huh. Or for the people that don't know what Ye's are, they're Cartier glasses. Mm-hmm. Never had buffs yet. My brother has. A lot of people around me have it. But it's going to come a time. Woo! <laughs> I'm going to have it. It's okay. You know, patience is a virtue. I just feel like that. It's key. No, it's cool, man. We can't wait to see you on camera rocking the yays, man. <laughs> if I see you turn on the station, like, my man's got the yays on. <laughs> Interviewing a coach. That'll be a sight to behold, man. Uh, I done, I've done the boss up and get this money in between... You know, people yeah, don't know yeah. that dance, but you know, people look up Blade, Icewood, uh-huh, uh-huh. Boss Up. You, you, you know, I I'll be bringing Detroit flavor everywhere I go. Real quick side note: I remember Morehouse, Clark, and Spelman. They all had their homecoming last year before all this pandemic stuff hit. And I purposely, it was slightly chilly enough to where I got a Detroit starters jacket, the original boy with the Mitchell and Ness Detroit hat, and I, I had a Detroit Mitchell and Ness wool too. But specifically when I moved here and I got so many what up those at this uh, mm-hmm. home and I purposely did it just to see who's going to recognize I'm from Detroit and who is from Detroit. Because it's a bond when you ever whenever you move out of state, when you meet somebody from Detroit, it's a it's it's a family. It's a mm-hmm. people don't understand it. It's like, what up, though? Oh, what up? though? Oh, you from the D? Yeah, I'm from the D. It's like that. I just had to put that in there, you know. No, bro. It's real, man. All of my family, a lot of my family, I should say, lives in Georgia. And I visited Georgia about two years ago. And one thing that people notice about me, every time I uh, go someplace, I always got on my, you know, Detroit hat, my Tigers hat. Yeah. And I don't know if it's like this for any other city, but 
people will ask you like, you from the D? I'm like, yeah. yeah. And you start chopping up, but I don't know if like people where like a New York hat people ask like, oh, you from Brooklyn or anything like that? I don't know. New, New Yorkers, I'm, I'm I got a friend here. He like my best friend, man. Real uh-huh. cool dude named Jay from Queens. New Yorkers do have that bond too. From what okay. I've seen, from what I've seen, I've never been to New York, but when they in Atlanta. And uh, they all come together. They got that bond, too. I, I, I click with, with New Yorkers. New Yorkers are real cool. A lot of people be intimidated by New Yorkers or how they style or how they talk. But New Yorkers are cool, man. So in terms of fashion, I know we're getting off. But in terms of fashion, I think New York compete with Detroit. New Yorkers can dress. If you, you know, New Yorkers can dress. Not all of them, but they, they can dress. <laughs> Not all of them. He had to make that clear. Yeah. Now, Again, I want to get back to you and this role over at NBC, 41 NBC. And I spoke about your passion earlier, bro. Like your enthusiasm, you can kind of see it through the screen. You can hear it in your voice. So I'm curious to know, could you describe the feeling of showcasing your passion for the world to see? It's crazy because I'm normally, you know, it's funny how God works. I'm laid back. I'm a little shy. You know, if I'm out of the lounge or something, I'm the laid back dude in the cut, you know, maybe dress fly, but just chilling. So it's funny how God put me in front of the camera and I can be, you know, thousands of people are watching. It's weird. So to me, the feeling is just I compare it to a basketball. I'm the point guard. I'm running this show. Let me drop 25, 10 and five. It's joy. It's uh, it's fun. It's a rush. Sometimes it's sometimes it's unbelievable because especially when I'm doing basketball highlights, I love basketball so much. It's just it's it's like turns me on. You know what I mean? Like, ah, man, I'm doing a Greek freak bang out. Like it's fun. You can have fun with it. So I definitely describe it like that. It's it's, it's fun. It's a rush adrenaline ride wise. And I don't know. I still can't believe I'm doing it. Mm. Man, like I said, your passion, it, it speaks volumes. And speaking of passion, you cited the late Kobe Bryant as one of your all-time favorite athletes. RP. So, yeah, RP to the Black Mamba. So, what is one aspect of his game that you've been able to apply to your work as a sports anchor? I'm going to have to go with two. Number one, Mamba mentality. Step up to the challenge. Don't back down. Give it your all. If you fail, fine, but you you getting up and you're doing it again. Don't be scared of nobody. Don't be intimidated by anybody. Go out and drop 81. That's what I learned. Come up big. Come up clutch. You're going to fail, but fail big. Shoot, at least you tried real hard. So that that for sure. When he that I think Kobe Bryant did what he was supposed to do. That's why God took him so early. Because he gave everybody, he motivated everybody to go harder. Like, no, dog, go harder. Go harder. That's one aspect I learned was to, to have that mama mentality where no matter what, I'm going to try to do this to the best of my ability. And people are going to look at it and like, that was cold. That was one. Number two is to set out to be great, man. Set out to be great. Chase greatness. Reach greatness. Everybody, it's, I think I heard it once said that, you know, the bottom is too crowded. Try to get to the top. Everybody's at the bottom. Not everybody, but you know what I mean? Like, it's, it's easy to be average, right? It's easy to be average. He taught me to chase greatness. Now, it's hard, man, because I'm nowhere near great. But at least I'm going to chase it and see if I can touch it. 
because people marvel at greatness. That's why you have celebrities, Denzel Washington, Will Smith, Barack Obama, LeBron James. When you great, people marvel at it because it's unique. It makes you stand out. And even though I was always trying to be great, but when Kobe died, man, I try to put that in my head every day. Right before the camera comes on, I think about my goal. I want to work for NBA TV. All right, NBA TV might be watching me right now. I want to do really good. And, you know, so he taught me that. Now, I beat myself up a lot, man. My mentors told me not to. I want to be perfect all the time. I hate failing. But still, I'm a, it, it, he just taught me how to go hard, believe in myself, chase greatness, mama mentality, come out and drop 81 and get the W. Bro, I mean, you said a mouthful right there, especially just people marveling at greatness and being able to chase it. And I will say, man, you will on your way because, like I said, the passion, bro, you can just, it's all in your face. It's all on the screen, just the work that you do. And again, you dress to the nine while you're doing it. So <laughs> you got to dress for the part that you want, bro. Yeah, man. <laughs> I was always taught, well, in my family, I know in Detroit, man, the fashion thing, like we're one of the most fashionable capitals of the world. And, you know, I just, my family, my mom was never been a, a big designer person, but she always dressed fly. My auntie was designer, always dressed fly, but classy. My brother, my older brother, always dressed fly. And I just, I think that just, like, look, no matter what, dress for where you going. You know, dress, if you want, I want to be a CEO and an owner, an entrepreneur one day. I want to dress like that. I want to take on that now. So, you, you know, I won't have to catch up to it. You know what I mean? So, mm -hmm. you know, I was always taught to just act and dress like where you going. Yeah. Hey, man, that's, you, that's the thing, man. Dress for the job that you want, not the job that you have. So right. that's something that's been instilled in us. Now, we bring up Detroit a lot. And, and speaking of Detroit, I want to get to one of my favorite segments on the podcast. And we're bringing it back to the city for this one. So... If you had to identify, uh, you about to kill song. me with this. One. <laughs> I still don't know, bro. You, you, I mean, we going, we going to coach you through it, man. I'm pretty sure uh, you, you're uh, a point guard too, and your point uh, guard got to think on their feet, man. I so, know, man. <laughs> All right, go ahead, my bad, my bad. No, you're good, bro. So, again, favorite segment. If you had to identify a song, in your opinion, that best represents Detroit, what would that song be? And it does not have to be from a Detroit artist, man. So. Hit me with something, bro. Oh, dog. My mind is... Okay. I can take this a different way. Uh, different ways. When I hear boy boss up and get this money, I'm thinking it's grind, man. Get your bag. Try your best to become financially free. That's one of the most hood songs in the deep. R.I.P. Mm. the Blade, Icewood. But my mind instantly goes to boss up and get this money. Okay, that's number one. That's probably ratchet. I know, because I got a lot of ratchet in me. But... I would say uh, number one. Now, after that, man, my mind is drawing a blank. This is bad because I know you got the big shines, the Royce Five Nines, the Eminems. You got a lot of people that's from Detroit, and I'm drawing a blank, and I'm trying to think. I, I need some coaching a little bit. <laughs> <sighs> oh, man. Boss, I can get this money. That's all I can come up with right now. That's so bad, though. No, that's, that's bad. all good. That's bad. That's oh, bad. bro, we gonna roll with that one, man. That's okay, what it's okay. man. I might and... have to circle back to it. <laughs> no, it's all good. You already showing love to Blade, and your your you, uh, broadcast, man. As you already mentioned, you know, doing the, the Icewood dance or whatever. So yeah, we gonna roll with that one, bro. So you mentioned 
that you're striving for greatness, you're chasing greatness. Every day is something that you are very thankful for. So I'm curious to know what does the future look like for you and how can we best support you as a community? I know you got two books out, so maybe you can talk about those two books as well. The future for me, man, well, number one, I want to say God says it's going to be bright. Mm-hmm. It's going to be bright. One of my goals is to be a New York Times bestseller. I'm working on my third book now. It's called You're Dope, Not Act Like It. And so number one, I definitely wanted to be a New York Times bestseller three, four, five, six, seven times over. That's mm-hmm. one of my goals on my vision board. I also, you know, I play basketball. And one of my goals is to own my own basketball rec center. And I already wrote my business plan. It's, it's going to be the greatest one in the world. I'm not going to get into details, but I can see it like, uh, I know this is an audio podcast, but I can see it like I'm looking at you right now through the Zoom. Mm-hmm. Um, I know God put that dream in me. So it's going to be the greatest. And I, like I said, like I'm, what I'm doing now is kind of a stepping stone. Being a sports anchor is cool, but it's a, I think it's a stepping stone that's going to lead to some other things. Definitely want to try NBA TV. Definitely, man. I'm so passionate about the NBA. I know I could be an asset to that company. But eventually, man, just want to own my own basketball rec center, host charities and basketball camps, have NBA players come out, whoever. You know, go around and, and promote my books and speak to people and speak life and abundance and happiness and uplift people. I love doing that, motivating people. I'm definitely going to do that because I want to tell people, like, everything's going to be okay, Like. Right? You have what it takes to be great. You have what it takes to be great, bro. You know, and uh, I want you to keep believing that. And I just have plans to be, if it's in the Lord's will, to be overall living in abundance, have health, wealth in my relationships, in my business affairs. Whenever I get married and have kids with my family, my mother, and um, just try to be great before I take my last breath and give back. And uh, just until my last breath man to my last breath man a lot there bro and let's speak those <laughs> things into existence and it's a good thing bro you have high standards for yourself so let's speak those things into existence and i received that that the greatness is there and you know likewise for yourself man keep that positivity going now you mentioned your books you mentioned just the things that you're doing but where can people find you in the social media space? Where can people check out your work? How can people get in contact with you, bro? Well, I'm always on Twitter, man. I love Twitter. And my Twitter, you can definitely find me on Twitter. I'm always active. It's Montez Allen 313. I always got to put the 313 on that. You know but it, Montez, you know Montez, yeah, all day, all day. Montez is with two Zs. Allen is A-L-L-E-N. And then on uh, Instagram, I'm Tez Allen, T-E-Z-Z-A-L-L-E-N 313. And on Facebook, I'm Montez Allen. I'm on all social media platforms, man. And I have a website, but I feel like nowadays, social media has evolved so much that your Twitter, I can use it as my website. Like I can drop my, whatever I do all the time. Like I market my books, I market my shows, my sportscasts or whatever I'm doing. Um, I motivate people. So I feel like that can be, you know, social media is uh, a powerful tool if you know how to use it right. So that's what I pretty much use it for now. So you can find me on all those platforms, man. And I promote my books all the time. (laughs) For sure. People can purchase your books on Amazon, right? Yeah. The first one is called Watch Your Words. And the second one is called Stay in the Game. Get off the sidelines of life. 
The second one is, is a metaphor for basketball. I have a on my cover is a picture of me in a suit and whatever with a basketball court in the back. And, and staying the game just means like, you know, when life gets rough, you know, we all go through it, man. I don't, don't let social media fool you. People going through it, you know, we all, when life gets rough, you don't see no way. Don't don't throw in a towel just because you're down by 25. You know what I mean? If it's, you're down by 25 in the first half, you know, it's a chance you can still come back and hit the buzzer beater like Kobe Bryant. So stay in the game. Watch your words. Is I'm just trying to encourage people, and we all do it, even me, is to watch what you say out of your mouth because, you know, the Bible says life and death is in the power of the tongue, you know, and you got to watch what you say, man, because if you continue to say, I'm never going to be successful, I'm never going to make it, I don't know, you right, you know, so, you know, I just like writing motivating, encouraging books, and I, I feel like the, the world needs it. It's too negative. You know, who doesn't want to see or read encouraging words? That's just me. No, no. And shout out to you for putting out those books, man, and putting that message of positivity out there. Like you said, the world needs it. We all need it. So, man, we're going to get to our final question. Before we wrap up, bro, I just wanted to thank you again for taking the time out of your busy schedule to come on the podcast. Again, the passion that you exude and the work that you do speaks volumes. So just keep that up, bro. I just wanted to shout you out on that before we get to this last formal question. Thank you for having me, man. I, you reached out to me. It was Janice, and you didn't have to reach out to me. And, man, I, I appreciate the opportunity. Yeah, for sure. Shout out to Janice Williams for connecting the two of us. That's, that's the homie right there. Shout yeah, out to her. Yeah, Janice, cool. Yeah, yeah. I've been knowing Janice for a long time. Yeah, for sure, for sure. So last question I want to ask you as we wrap up here, and that question is simple. What does Detroit mean to you? Detroit means to me, this is funny. I'm just going to name some things. Maury Gators, buffs, grind, hard work, heart, fashion, grit, never say die, hustle, family, one of a kind, success. Also, I I think it's, I'm letting them roll off my tongue, off the top of my head. Basketball, you know, basketball. Sometimes I feel like underrated underrated or hated on and because people don't understand coney island come on chili cheese fries i'm i'm fiending for them i you know whenever i was living in chicago i used to drive back to detroit a lot first thing i get chili cheese fries fago they hate on it here fago they don't know they don't understand fago but they definitely don't understand chili cheese fries coney islands you know mumford all that like that's what detroit means to me and I wouldn't be the person I am, A, if it wasn't for God and my family, but for Detroit, Michigan, man. I love that city. Nothing like it. Jit. Jit. <laughs> Detroit, Jit. In Chicago, they got footwork. It ain't nothing compared to ballroom. Come on, man. I can keep going. It's just come, coming to me. But that's what, I'm going to keep it short. That's what, that's what Detroit means to me, man. Detroit means seven mile, eight mile, all that. <laughs> It means a lot. I could go all day with that. That's all good, bro. And we appreciate that response, man. And you, I think you probably one of the first people I interviewed that brought up Jitten. I have to go back. But <laughs> Jitten, man, I mean, I don't know Jitten. how to Jitten personally, but I'm going to watch somebody do that, put their business in. So they be killing it, don't they, bro? They be killing it. They be it. killing it, man. In Chicago, they call it footwork and it's boring, it's whack. 
you know, yep, Chicagoans, this ain't, it ain't better than JIT. Detroit JIT is better than footwork. Easily, easily. Now, Chicago stepping might be on the same level as ballroom, because Chicago stepping is nice. Mm-hmm. But uh, the JIT, man, look. <laughs> Shout out to the JIT, man. Shout out to the JIT. Oh, man. <laughs> Well, Montez, man, again, thank you so much for joining us on the Trade Worldwide. Again, shout out to Janice Williams for connecting the two of us. You got a lot of good things going for you, bro. Keep it up, man. God is going to bless you tremendously, man. It's just, I'm excited to converse with you, bro. You you got some good stuff, man. So just wanted to again, thank you for joining us on the podcast. No problem, bro. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate it, man. Yeah, for sure, for sure. So on behalf of Montez Allen, I am Marquise Taylor. This is Detroit Worldwide. We'll holler at you on the other side. Peace.